0: It's Wednesday, August 31st, and this is Market Fullery. I'm Chris Helen, joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser, from Motley Fool Global Games Tim Hansen, and from Motley Fool Inside Value Joe Mager. Guys, it's the end of August. We've survived what? Market volatility, uh, a hurricane, an earthquake, a fire in our building. It's been a big month. Happy end of August. <laughs> uh, we've got big news from AT&T and we've got news from Barnes & Noble, but we will start just briefly. I want to go to Tim Hansen for a quick update. We closed yesterday's podcast by talking about the situation in Greece, uh, Finland essentially saying, uh, we would like some collateral. Not essentially saying. They were saying, we want collateral for our participation in the euro bailout. We have a development in this story.
1: Yeah, so apparently uh, Finland demanded they would they would like Greece's gold uh, reserve to be put up as collateral, which is probably a fair, um, a, a fair request. Greece countered and said, no, we can't do that because we don't have enough gold, or if everybody asked for that as collateral – you know, it just wouldn't be enough. Exactly. So how about this? How about, as collateral, you take some stock in our banks? <laughs> and how did that go over? Well, you know, I think Finland is still trying to figure out a reaction to that. without That won't be insulting. But, you know, basically it's saying they're getting the loan to prop up their banks. So by offering the banks as collateral, you're almost making the situation worse for Finland.
2: I think they should have offered Monopoly money.
0: You think that would have actually done better? It might have been worth more, because at least that has a use. Either that or
2: just stick a you know an old family baklava recipe in there or
0: something. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the big story of the day, which is the fact that this morning the U.S. Department of Justice announced a lawsuit to block AT&T's proposed $39 billion takeover of T-Mobile USA. Justice Department says the deal would, quote, substantially uh, lessen competition in the wireless market. Uh, Joe Maker, not surprisingly, shares of AT&T dropped immediately when this announcement was made. What's your take on this development? Well, my take is that
3: it's not too surprising, because you knew that there was going to be a lot of back and forth between the government and AT&T on this. There were going to be concessions that AT&T was going to make, because it does consolidate the industry pretty heavily, And it's going to put, or it would have, I mean, at this point, it's still open-ended what's going to happen. There's a good chance the deal could still close if AT&T makes a bunch of concessions. But, you know, from the sounds of it, the DOJ is not playing around. And it sounds like, based on their arguments that are very big picture, that they're just structurally opposed to the deal and that concessions may not get
1: it there. Tim? I think the DOJ is, 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 is verging on absurdity at this point. I completely agree. With some of these ways. <laughs> I completely ways, agree. With some of these – I mean, I, I, if Joe wasn't going to say it, I'll say Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, the thing that initially irked me with the DOJ was when they went after Whole Foods for the Wild Oats merger and, devised, and, and, and defined the market as, like, niche organic food. That's not a market. Like, you can have a monopoly of niche organic food and you don't have nearly a monopoly in food, Right. <laughs> So with this, you know, obviously, yes, this is a ma- these are two major wireless carriers, and uh, T-Mobile is low priced, relatively speaking, to the rest. So maybe you're taking a low priced option off the table. But you know what? There's a whole lot of in this country prepaid mobile phones. Wouldn't it be interesting to consider them as part of the market of mobile wireless communication? That's its own Absolutely. niche. That's yeah. its own niche. <laughs> and, and according to DOJ, no. So they're worried about monopoly in high end. Smartphone 4G, 3G, you, like it just makes no sense to me. It's
3: total crap. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me going on this. I, I totally agree. And there are other ways that you can make phone calls for that matter. Like I've been talking to my fiance in Europe right now over Skype. Through no. Our phones. no, get out of town. I know, it's, this I know is it's unbelievable. Radical. Uh, yeah, and the, I mean, there are so many ways that this this bothers me. I mean, in other... I've used
1: email sometimes to communicate <laughs> with people. Well, that's wacky. Email? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that Ele-
3: insane?
2: Electronic mail? Well,
3: I mean, it's wild. I don't know. You, you look at this big picture of, like, consolidation is natural in this kind of situation where you're talking about networks, and people want bigger networks as consumers because you get better reception and ultimately better pricing. So it's not surprising that we've seen a lot of consolidation or that more would happen. This isn't going to change the big-picture trends here. Like, uh, AT&T yeah. and Verizon Wireless are going to keep eating everyone else's lunch. And there's a
1: reason T-Mobile USA wanted to sell. It's because they're well, getting their butts handed It's to them. just so funny that they're concerned about rising prices. <laughs> I mean, it's laughable. If you look at the data in the mobile phone industry anywhere in the world, there is one constant, which is that average revenue per user is declining rapidly. The cost of talking on the phone is becoming nothing but cheaper. For a variety of reasons, one of which is that there are all these alternative technologies people can use to communicate. Another is which is there's plenty of competition, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to, to, to think that this merger – I mean, uh, merits of the merger relative demerits aside, to think that this would lead to some sort of spike in the cost of talk is just spitting in the face of every ounce of data that exists in the mobile phone industry anywhere.
0: Now, you guys – Anyway, uh, not that we have an opinion <laughs> on I was going to say, you, you guys are upset. Certainly, AT&T shareholders, seeing their shares drop, are upset. I have to believe, on the other hand, Sprint and their shareholders are excited because just as AT&T shares dropped immediately, shares of Sprint uh It's like, like a de facto bailout for Sprint.
1: Well, you know, I think, it, you know, I don't know. Politics is political in so many ways. And, and I, I've said this before. True words <laughs> have never been spoken. But, you know, the thing, the, the one indicator that matters to elected officials when it comes time to run for, for, for office is the unemployment rate. If people don't have jobs, they don't vote for the incumbent, period. You know, defeating things, corporate actions like this, basically, in the near term, saves jobs. And I'm not saying that the DOJ is necessarily politically motivated, but I also don't think it's, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not, necessarily not politically motivated also.
0: So, in terms of next steps, um, DOJ made this announcement. Uh, AT&T came out uh, soon thereafter with an announcement of their own, saying that they were – saying the company's surprised and disappointed, uh, which is not really a surprise. Uh, AT&T also said it's going to ask for an expedited hearing on the matter. Um, Joe, in terms of of where this goes from here, I mean, you're – uh, AT and T is certainly a company you follow closely. I think it's it is. A, a recommendation in your service. So what you know, it is Oops. What, what is no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what is the next? Uh, what are the next steps here? So there's going to be a lot of back and forth, both
3: behind closed doors and in the media, over the next couple months. Um, AT and T is going to try and make the case, more of the case that they've already made, that this is ultimately good for consumers, and making the point that Tim was making that you know the trends of falling average revenue per user, falling ASPs, falling prices, are going to continue no matter what. Um, I mean, it sounds like that's going to fall on deaf ears. And ultimately, if AT&T loses, there are some pretty heavy breakup fees involved in this deal, because they were confident that it was going to go through, and they had to throw in some pretty good sweeteners to T-Mobile to make it happen.
2: You know what? The statistic that impressed me the most of all here was the uh, AT&T, their current Number of employees they have two hundred over a quarter million people that actually work for that company, so I think it was just surprising to me to see number one how big the company is uh, but then to suggest that this would actually you know going back to the Tim's point here to suggest that this would result in higher prices is is crazy i mean you you can go out there and find any number of ways to communicate with anyone i mean I have a prepaid cell phone i mean you know I can find the lowest price out there for what I want and and to sit there and suggest that the prices are going to go up from this. You know, it's, it's certainly politically motivated, I think, just from letters that, you know, U.S. senators sent in to the DOJ on this.
0: So scale of 1 to 10, 10 being supreme confidence, 1 being no confidence whatsoever, how likely is this deal to go through? Joe, are you confident?
3: No. I, I'm at a, you know, maybe I'll feel a little differently, in fairness. I think give it a couple days and I'll I'll raise this number a notch or two. I'd put it at four, maybe three.
0: Tim?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd say. Five-ish. Uh, you know, the process from here is, is Byzantine. I mean, the Whole Food experience was, was a farce, you know, with the DOJ. And you have to remember, like any large bureaucratic organization, the people who work there have an incentive to process cases successfully. You know, this is, an, you know, if they stand down here, they got to go stand up somewhere else. If the DOJ, if this, you know, if the antitrust division does nothing for 10 years, well, they're not going to have jobs anymore. So they, I'm they,
3: sure they'll have something to Google. They've, to got, go they've
1: got their, you know, they have incentives, too, is, and, and that's one of the problems. Jason? Given AT&T's size, I'm going to go two or
2: three here. I, I don't think it goes through.
0: All right. Shares of Barnes & Noble up around 20% so far this week, thanks to strong earnings. The company lost $57 million for the quarter and said it expects to post a financial loss for the fiscal year. Wait a minute, Jason. Chris, Where is the good news here? Wait, wait a minute, Aaron. You said strong earnings.
2: <laughs> I would probably say less weak <laughs> earnings. Um yeah, I mean, you know, jeez, Barnes & Noble is still in there. They're not dead yet, but the operative word there is yet. It's uh you know, it's it's an interesting dynamic in this whole e-reader thing because you have obviously Apple and Amazon out there with iPads and Kindles, and then you have Barnes & Noble with the Nook. And you, you, we had talked about this earlier. We actually in our household have one of each of those devices, and the essential goal is to try to figure out which one's, you know, going to Going to best serve our purposes. If I look at it from a device perspective, I mean, there's no question that the Nook is inferior to the Kindle and, and the iPad. But if you look at it from a content perspective, I mean, Barnes and Noble is, is heads above the rest here because they have you know over two million titles versus Amazon with not even a million mm-hmm. and iBooks with you know less than two hundred thousand or something like that. So right now, that that's what they have, and you know, content is king. But but. That's not going to be that way forever. I mean, you got to figure that companies like Amazon and Apple will continue to pick up content going forward. And that's where I think Barnes Noble is really going to run into a big problem. They're not making any money. You know, they're still guiding for a loss for the rest of the year. I kind of feel like their time is limited, but. Yep, you're right. It was still a better quarter than last.
0: Well, and it was I mean, you know, speaking of the Nook, that did seem to be the bright spot in their latest earnings report that sales of the Nook are, are really taking off. Well
2: yeah, it's making up it's making up a quarter of their total revenues now and it's growing fast. And, you know, when you look at the the comparable store sales of their actual physical stores, those are shrinking. Uh, now the border 's bankruptcy is going to they 're going to be able to soak up some of the extra traffic from that border 's bankruptcy, but you know that 's that 's going to be very temporary so I think that you know the real goal here is to focus on digital um it 's the higher margin you know it 's if if you can save me from having to go to a bookstore i 'm not going to go to a bookstore I just download it and read it at home Joe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a buyer of the stock.
3: I I do think, ultimately, Amazon's going to eat their lunch. Uh, I think the Kindle platform, whether it's actually on Kindle devices themselves or Amazon Mm -hmm. tablets or or iPads uh, in front of me uh, or online, I mean, it's all over. But, uh, ultimately, I think Amazon wins or is the dominant player there. But I do have to give a lot of credit for Barnes & Noble on
2: making this leap. They do have a pretty interesting Nook app for the iPad as well, which, you know, that gives you a chance to make a little money from Apple. yeah.
3: But yeah, yeah I don't know. I'd I just say I, I do give them a lot of credit for making that leap and transition in the business because obviously, it, you know, it's no secret that the traditional model is uh, in a
0: pretty clear state of decline. Just checking before we came in the studio, uh, Barnes & Noble stock has actually trailed the return of the S&P 500 over the last one year, two years, five years. Um, even with this run up, there's, uh, and even with the, the promise of the Nook, which appears to be um, maybe the only promise that Barnes & Noble has, this is not a stock that you're necessarily interested in?
3: No. I, I mean, I think, again, they're not going to be the lead player in, in online book sales, digital book sales. I mean, they're kind of boxed out. I, I don't see how they're going to be able to hang with the Kindle in terms of sales and distribution through Amazon. Amazon's got such a big reach there. And you know, you look at the overhang of the stores, I mean, that's just going to be a millstone around their neck, even if the Nook does
2: turn out to be a success. Yeah, that's 1,300 stores they've got, over 1,300 that they've got to figure out what to do with. Do
0: you have a book recommendation, Jason? I could go
2: two for you. Sure. <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, I love reading about the Civil War, so uh, April 1865 is one that I'm in the middle of right now. I like it a lot. But if you uh, need something to read for your kids, uh, Tim, I know you just have a boy. Chris, do you have any daughters? Two daughters. Okay, so Ramon and Bezos. Oh, yeah. You're probably familiar that's with That's a those. classic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got a so, lot of those. Got a little for everybody there.
1: Tim, book recommendation for our listeners? Yeah, we're still hooked on Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus, <laughs> which is just,
0: <laughs> if you haven't read it, it's so spectacular. <laughs> it actually is. Anything for adults, though?
1: Um, uh, I'm currently reading Imagining India, which is, if you're interested in emerging markets, is a pretty pretty neat book about sort of the history, pre- past, present, and future of India, and it's written by uh, a, a guy named Nandan Nilakani, who actually have a conference named. Conference room named for here at the fool, and he was one of the founders of Infosys, which is one of the big mm-hmm. Indian outsourcing companies. It's you know n- nonfiction, not not a beach read per se. But as we yeah. head back into the school season, exactly, it could be worth picking up. Joe,
3: speaking of poorly run government agencies, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a great book called Secrets of the Temple, which is about God, it might be like 700 pages long, but it's a book all about the history of the Federal Reserve and it wow. does a phenomenal job. Well, and it specifically focuses on the late 70s and early 80s in the uh, Paul Volcker era of the Fed, and it's just incredibly instructive. And I, I learned more reading that book about economics and monetary policy than probably everything else i picked up. So does, it's a great read if you can stomach it. Does it took it, me forever to finish. Does
0: it have a lot of pictures? Because I'm going to need a lot of pictures if I'm going to get through a 700-page book that's about the history of the Federal Reserve. You know, it I guess not, but you can probably color in the margins. Oh, okay, good.
1: I got stuck flying home from China after one of the times my Kindle broke. <laughs> <laughs> I, anyway, I got stuck buying the only English-language book I could find in the uh, business section at the Beijing airport was uh, Alan Greenstein's <laughs> autobiography. Oh, the Age of Turbulence? Yes. Yeah. I, all I can say is- The other guy did it. <laughs> that was- in terms of – if that's the number one book about the Federal Reserve, so just, I'm going to put this one down, farther down the list. Lower. And say don't, don't read it unless you're stuck on a plane for 15 hours.
0: Okay. Some book recommendations and I guess a, an, an anti-recommendation. Hey, they're both helpful. Absolutely. <laughs> Jason Moser, Tim Henson, Joe Mager. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank thanks, you. Chris. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Steve Broido, and for the vacationing Mac career. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.